Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. I will read, I'll read from, let me just take it from that verse 3 again, 2 Kings chapter 7 from verse 3. I'll read it down further, beyond verse 9. So the Bible says, now there were three, there were four lepers, four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, if they kill us we shall only die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired us, has hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some more from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. They said to one another, we are not doing right. Um, this day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city and, and told them, saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, let me tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field saying, when they come out of the city, we shall scatch them alive and get into the city. And one of the servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they might either come like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed I say, they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. Left from those who are consumed. Um, so let us send them and see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians have thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sale of flour was sold for a shekel and two sales of belly for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Let me stop there for now. 
Um, so, by God's grace, we just want to explore further that scripture that we read. Um, we want to discuss last week, God helped us to see the actions of the lepers. And I remember last week we were, God was trying to encourage us very strongly that the lepers came, their reasoning was, and the question they asked themselves was, why are we sitting here until we die? And do you know, thinking about that statement even now, whether we like it or not, if Christ tarries, do you know every man has an appointment with death at some point? Now, but you see, for our death, or for your death or my death, if Christ tarries, not to be an empty death, we must consider this question. Why sit we here until we die? For the lepers, they thought it was not reasonable. They thought it was not wise to just sit down in one place until they died. They were, they were going to make their life count, despite the fact that they were lepers. They were not going to accept that society has cast us out. And because society has cast us out, we are now useless people. They were not going to accept it. So that question, why are we sitting here until we die, was a reasonable question to ask so that they can make their life count, even in their generation. The answer to that question for them was going to change their outlook towards life. And I sense deeply that God also wants us to answer that question for our own lives. We must not sit down doing nothing for the kingdom of heaven until we die. Sitting down for the Christian, doing nothing, is not an option in this generation. The enemy is not sitting down. If the enemy is not sitting down, why should I sit down? The enemy is not going on lockdown. Why should I go on lockdown? The enemy is working hard to see that more people populate his kingdom. I don't have the option of sitting down. So for the lepers, they looked at it very pragmatically and said, we are four of us. Why are we sitting here till we die? They were not going to accept the fact that they were lepers. In that sense. Lepers who had no hope who had no function, who were outcasts. They were not going to accept it. And do you know, even for us as Christians, you know, genuine Christianity is very unpopular in our generation. Deep faith in God is very scarce. True dev devotion to God is scarce. And because it's scarce, it looks like those who are, who are, 
serious with their faith are just quiet somewhere doing nothing. The call for us, beloved brethren, is do not sit down. And do you do, and, and that the answer to that question or their response to that question gives us an insight on how God works. It's very interesting. It was when the lepers got up that, you know, the Bible said they got up at twilight. It was as if God was waiting. Who are those? Who are the people who, who is going to get up and move so that I can back their getting up with victory? For the lepers, when they decided they were going to get up, we saw last week, the Bible said in verse um, five, the Bible said, you know, they came, the lepers, after their reasoning, and I pray God will help us reason with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not with human logic, but with the reasoning of the Holy of, of God. You see, they came to a conclusion. They said, what is the end of everything for us? They said, if they keep us, that's the end of verse 4. If the Syrians keep us, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. So, beloved brethren, the lepers did not see death as any great thing. They had already died to death. They were, not going, they, were, they were not going to allow death and the fear of death affect them in doing the right thing. And do you know that's the same message for us? The fear of death must not stop us from wholly serving God with the whole of our hearts. The fear of death, thank God for Jesus. You know, my destiny and your destiny, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no death. It is actually life eternal. There's no death. So why am I afraid of death? Why must I be bound by the fear of death so that I don't get up to do what God wants me to do? Yes. I mean, as, as, as born-again Christians, haven't we died already? And that it's no longer I that liveth, it's Christ that liveth in me. Yes. But, yes. but we don't live like that, I do agree. But the, the fact is, is that we, we've already been through that. Um, but we don't always uh, live a life that's uh, like Christ is in us. Yes. In that way. It's, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. We have already died, yes. And we are alive in Christ. That's why the fear of death, you know, even when you close, you you know, every time the Bible refers to the passing of a Christian, is he closes his eyes, you know, he's asleep, and he wakes and he opens it somewhere else. So it's not actually dying. Remember when, when, when uh, the rich man and Lazarus, the Bible said they both died, and the rich man opened up his eyes. And Lazarus also opened up his eyes. You see, so for the Christian, that's why Paul said, oh, death, where is your sting? Because for the Christian, it's a win-win situation. You are alive in Christ here, and you will live with him forevermore in eternity. It's a win-win. There is hope. You understand? So like you rightly said, because we have died to Christ, 
there is no death again for us. I thought you were physical death. You know, a lot of us are still caught in that. Yes. Death, you know, so we don't do so many things because, mm. we- yeah, that's why. That's why, you know, look at look at what the le- lepers don't go to Afghanistan to preach because they don't want to. Okay, look at what the lepers said. <laughs> look at what the lepers said. They said, If they kill us, we shall only, only, only die. A lot of us are not at that at that stage. You know, we want to see our children get married. And... You know, you know, like the like the story I told you of um, remember that story? We discussed it. How we were I was traveling to Lagos, and there was a delay when we were um, transiting in Amsterdam. There was a there was a three hour delay for our flight, and why was the delay? there was the aircraft had fuel leak. And they told us very categorically, sorry, there's going to be a delay. We want to repair the situation. We'll have to wait for three hours. While we were waiting, immediately that announcement went out. You should, you should see how passengers started shouting. I don't want to die. They must change that aircraft. Is it because we are, we are Nigerians? You are taking us to Lagos that you are making our lives less valuable. That if it was in Europe, you are flying to another European country. Maybe you have changed the aircraft. Now you must change the aircraft. Well, the woman I was sitting next to, oh no, she started lamenting openly. Oh, I should, I should, if I had known, I would have bought Lufthansa or Virgin. I thought KLM was good. You know, I see, and then she looked at me. She said, This is very terrible. I don't want to die now. And now I looked at her. I said, Excuse me, ma. What do you mean you don't want to die now? Ah, me, I don't want to die now. I'm building a house. My daughter is going to get married in six months' time. I must see my grandchildren. I don't, I can't die now. I said, I said, Excuse me, ma. Please, can I say something? If we enter this aircraft and at 32,000 feet, the engine fails and we drop out of the sky. Go forbid. I said if. I'm not saying it will happen, man. If that happens, it is not the issue of you see why you want to stay alive. The reason why you want to stay alive is to try and achieve all these things you've talked about, which is good. But that should not be the primary reason for staying alive. I said, anybody who stays alive for all these things, you are making your life worthless. Life is not worthy. If that is the reason why you are alive, to see your daughter get married, even whether you are alive or not, your daughter will get married. True or false, man? She'll get married. Whether you are alive or dead, if your building is going to be completed, somebody else will buy up the building and complete it. So the reason why you have given for living, they are good on the surface, but actually it doesn't add any value to your life. 
truly. So, so I so I challenged that. I said, the reason why you can give value to your life, both um, divine value that we that we that be worth living, is so that if you can live for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. So, Ma, I want to ask you a question. Are you a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. I said, if you've given your life to Christ, then let's look at the reasons for living. Why do you think Jesus was alive? Jesus was alive, not to achieve all these things you've talked about. It's so that he could do the will of the Father. So can we, can you agree with me that if you live for eternity, that is when you add much value to your life. So she calmed down and said, yes, what you said is true. Excuse me, can I ask, are you a pastor? I said, I'm not a pastor. I'm just a Christian. Trying to explain to you how we can add value to this, our life. You see, for the Christian, when you think like the way the lepers were thinking, they were, go- they were going to engage their life in something useful that would carry eternal value. That was why they were able to say, we shall only die. Do you know for the Christian, when you, when you have invested your life in, for eternity, death is only a transition phase. Beloved brethren, let me tell you a short story. Do you know we had um, a friend of ours was called to come and take a funeral ceremony, a, a, a funeral for a brother who died. Before this brother died, he had already written what he wanted them to say at his, at his funeral. And this brother wrote, is it three pages? Okay, I think it's three pages. Three pages of how it was just an invitation for the people who were present at his burial or at his burial ceremony, at his remembrance ceremony, how they can come to the Lord Jesus. It was, it was simply an invitation to come hear the gospel and be saved. So the three pages, if you read it, the brother who had, who had died was only inviting people to come and know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The way I look at what that brother did is very simple. The last, my last opportunity, Lord, to bring souls into your kingdom, even at my death, I'm going to use it to strike the last blow on the kingdom of darkness before I am pass, I pass, I finally pass on. So the whole service was a simple um, um, speech of inviting people to come and know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He did not talk about himself once. He did not talk about his family. He mentioned his family in one line. And the brothers who know him, know him as a man who loved his family deeply and his wife. But he didn't talk about his family. He talked about Jesus. And why everybody 
at that at, at present in that service why they needed to give their hearts to Jesus. Our lives become useful if we invest it in eternal things. That's why death is, for, for the Christian, it is only death. Only. The physical death is just a transition, an opportunity to, trans, to transition into being with the Lord forever. It is not a, a loss. You know, we hear all the time, we have lost him. We have lost him. You know, even in our language, we say we have lost him. Is it actually a loss? Or remember what Scripture says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's not a loss. It's actually a gain. Heaven has gained somebody. It is a loss when that person doesn't make it to the promised land. Heaven is a loss, a great loss. It is a great loss when that soul goes to eternity in damnation forever. That's the great loss. Yes. We were discussing last night about how how many Christians get involved in causes, mm. whether it be climate change, mm. whether it be justice or in particular social justice, which seems to be the, the current variant of yep. justice. Yeah. Um, maybe even hospices. I was at a three-day conference online yeah. for hospices, and it was uh, acknowledged that the hospice system was generated through Christians, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they were sort of saying, is that a, a barrier to um, people of other faith actually using the hospice system? Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth is most people don't even know about it. <laughs> That's the truth, yeah. unless you've actually unfortunately had to use it. Or yes. fortunately, had to use it in an unfortunate situation. Yes. So, um, but what do you think about getting wrapped up in causes? How do you, how do you, um, how I, do you ensure that the gospel message is at the front of, of yes. all our activity, all of our activity? That, that's that's the that's the a, a very good question in the sense that all those things are good, but we need to put the gospel at the forefront of it. Honestly, the reason is because, you see, Jesus did those things. The Bible said he went about doing good. But you see, good without Christ is actually empty, emptiness. You can do good. There's nothing wrong with doing good. And it is part of the gospel. But you can't do good on its own because doing good on its own does not have an anchor. It does not have a foundation. It doesn't. That's why, remember when um, Mary poured that perfume on Jesus? You remember, the Bible said there was an indignation you have several accounts. You have Judas. Judas said, what a waste. All because he poured it on Jesus. He said, couldn't this have been sold and the money given to the poor? Given to the poor is good. But when you don't anchor it in Jesus, it is empty. 
There is no point helping people without showing them the real solution to life, which is Jesus. There's nothing wrong, like I said, using it as an opportunity. Jesus did it all the time. You know, Jesus will heal so that you can come to know him. Do you remember the man Jesus healed? And the Bible said he did not know who he was. Jesus had to go and find him again and told him. He said, if you say you are whole now, but a worse thing will come to you if you go back in sin. So if we do our good works and we don't anchor it in Jesus, honestly, we are wasting time. We found wasting... him in the temple as well, George. Yes, it was in the <laughs> temple. Can you imagine? Exactly. If... <laughs> Thanks, um, Kevin. It was in the temple. But the Bible said he did not know who he was. He did not know who Jesus was. Jesus had to go and look for him and found him in the temple. You know, so... Good works are good, but when you don't anchor it in the message of the gospel, it does not, it doesn't have a foundation. You just help people physically and you leave their souls famished, deprived of the message that will give them life. So even if we have to do these things, no problem. I don't have an issue. It's good. It's a bait. It's an opportunity to attract people. But please, let us not shy away from giving them the gospel. What the world wants to do now is for you to bring your good works, your charity works, but remove the gospel. Don't talk about this Jesus. Don't mention his name. Thank you very much. You want to help the poor people. You want to help people, homeless people. Don't preach to them. Don't, tell, give, don't show them the power of God unto salvation. Can you imagine? Don't declare the gospel to them. Yes, help them with their needs. But when it comes to the gospel, keep your mouth shut. That is it's as if what you are doing is you are giving a person a chair to sit down. But you are indirectly going and cutting the legs of that chair off. So that eventually that person will fall down. God must help us because the world, the enemy, he knows, he knows that good works will not save them. He knows that helping them with their needs is not going to give them salvation. He knows. So he, he says, remove the substance of the message and give them the shell that carries no life. That's wickedness. I mean, we have this challenge all the time. And it is, it is a trick of the wicked one to stop us from declaring the real good news. And that's why God, yes, God must help us to, to, to address it. And one of, one of the other things that I saw um, is also that we, we need to keep reminding ourselves the difference, the separation between Christianity mm. and all the other good deeds. The mm. good deeds. The, uh, what it was highlighting was that um, Muslims, they, uh, they like to rally around the dead body or they're about to be dead body because it's, it's reward, you know, there are rewards for serving the, di- the dying. Mm. You know, there's actually rewards. But, of course, we know that unless you're born again, 
they're all good works, that, well, good deeds as it is, yeah. but good works, as we might call them, had no treasure in heaven. Nope. You can only please God if you're born of the Spirit. Yeah. So, you know, people, you know, and uh, and we forget. There are many Christians that, that forget. They think, oh, well, they're nice people. They do good stuff, as if that's actually got any value. Mm. And, but, they, but in eternity, it hasn't. Yeah. But, we, but we forget that. Therefore, we don't share the gospel. That's the that. Yeah, no, and uh, because we don't even realise what we've got a lot of the time and think that, well, basically, we have a salvation that's earned. Yes. It's, it's earned. It, it's, it, it's it, like you said, the danger is we, we, don't, we don't appreciate what we have. You know, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah, because as uh, previously Catholic as well, George, it yeah. is all about good works. Mm-hmm. And even if I am, you know, sharing to my Catholic friends at the work also, and oh yeah, everyone knows Jesus. You know, that's the argument. And uh. We don't do the crime that is, you know, uh, like killing people or do like this, like that. We do not steal. Oh, yes, at times we, we do sin, but it's a light sin, you know, because that's the difference. They think that, you know, light sin, small sin is, there's a, but I said to them, a sin is a sin. Even if you lie, white lie, you still sin. and. Even and I said yes. Everyone knows Jesus. He's like a celebrity. He's popular. But the question is, I said, how about a relationship, personal relationship with Jesus? Mm. And I said, it's not all about good work. Yes, it is good to do good works. But as I was telling George, that uh, you know, if we are really a believer of uh, Jesus Christ, we follow His uh, ways, then we have to. You know, uh, follow him and then followed by good works, not good works so that we can say because it's Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life and the way to salvation. Mm. But, you know, it is hard, George, especially if, you know, they don't read the uh, Bible. And then uh, I told them as well, like, oh, we need to read the word of God. And obviously it helps if we can memorize the word of God so that, you know, in times of need, we can remember and then we can be encouraged. And what I was told by one of my friends is, oh, even though you don't memorize the Bible, as long as you do good and you live what is right in the sight of God, I'm sure it will please God. That's mm. what the argument You see, it's lack of the understanding. The first clear gospel message that Jesus preached very clearly was not preached to a man who was committing terrible sins. The first gospel message that was preached very clearly was preached to a Pharisee. And excuse me, when it comes to good works, can you beat a Pharisee? When it comes to good works, these are people who pay tithes even on their garden vegetables. But Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, Nicodemus was confused. 
He didn't understand. He said, can a man go into his mother a second time and be born? Then Jesus explained. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and of the spirit, water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. So people need to understand that they are born of flesh. Flesh meaning that they they have come as a result of the fallen nature. They were born in sin because of their heritage. That is why they need to be born again. That is why they need to experience the new life. Experiencing the new life means that they have to come again and be born, this time into Christ. But Christ doesn't force anybody. You have to accept him to be born again. It's not first of, you know, Jesus did not talk about, if you look at it, Jesus did not talk about, oh, you are doing bad, you are doing good. Jesus simply was, you accept a man. He didn't say accept a sinner. A man. A man is born because he's born because of his heritage. He needs to be born again. There needs to be a new life because the life he was born with was already degenerate, was already dead. He needs to be born again. And that message was not to sinners first. Can you imagine? It was to Pharisee, Mr. Nicodemus. The man who, who you can say is full of good works. He had to hear that message again. And if you read down John 3, you can see the punishment comes, the condemnation comes because you ignored life. So when somebody comes and says, oh, I'm good, I don't do anything bad, I don't understand why I need to be born again. You need to be born again because even your goodness is terrible before God. He stinks before heaven. Yes, Kevin. I don't think it's a a thing for today, but um, I agree with what you just said. But there are different opinions on whether babies go straight to to heaven or their souls go straight to heaven. I don't think we should talk about it now, but I I do, do, because of the position you just said, Mm. you know, we're born in sin, um, even though a baby, maybe never, certainly a baby, a child, maybe not, but a baby, you know, pre-birth. He's never yes. sinned, yes. Uh, unless he's kicked the mother too hard. I don't know. Um, but the, but you know, and and we know that some babies definitely do go there. You know, David said that he was going to see his child again. Yes. So we know that some do. We just don't know if all do. Yeah. So you know, even the issue of babies, I don't. The reason why I don't go there is because see, um, if you talk about a a baby born into the world. Of course, he already carries the nature. You understand? But the question is, um, a child has a, what do you call it again? Imputed? Uh, no, is it um, an age of accountability? Yeah. Yes. So, but you see, 
the 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 you know there was I had a somebody tell me he said except a man be born again he means except a baby be born again mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what one brother told me he said is the baby a man <laughs> a baby is a man when he becomes has some degree of accountability how about your those that are like uh, who has uh, learning uh, disabilities cannot decide, isn't it? No, because but... their mind is like a, a, a baby, their mind. Yeah, but do you know, I've met a lot of people with learning disabilities who know what they are doing. They know exactly what they are doing. They know when they are doing wrong. They know the right thing to do. Even at that, with that um, disability with them, they know. Some are quite profound, though. I'm going to not be able to know. It depends on how bad it is. There's yes, not- but mommy, even if you have a 20-year-old who has the, the learning of a 7-year-old, there is some degree of accountability there. I've seen, I mean, I agree with you. I understand. You won't be able to explain in detail if you explain salvation to them, but you have to come down to their level and explain. He's a seven-year-old, and you have to explain at that level. What about if someone dies with dementia and they haven't yet given their life to Christ? <laughs> In fact, we have a testimony to that effect. Well, he was a Christian. Let's say he was a Christian and he became demented, but he still maintained some degree of cognitive, cognitive sense to understand that he was going to die. In fact, he was the one that prophesied his dying. They, he was demented and they were going to section him. If he, wasn't, he, brought... before, sorry. Eh? If he wasn't a Christian before, he had dementia. Oh, he wasn't a Christian before? Someone is not a Christian. Oh, okay. Gets dementia. What yes. yeah, well, that was my example. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the example of a person who was not a. Well, even in that demented state, eh? Even in that demented state. I mean, I, I did a course on dementia. Do you know that no matter how demented a patient is, he can still respond to you. That's why you are not allowed to ignore them totally. Do you know that? So there's a place for talking to them. You can talk to them and say, drink this cup of water. They will listen to you. It's not all the time. That's why it is wrong. For you, when a demented patient says, I want to drink water, and you ignore him, the cognitive disability still has, they see some sense. That's why you are not allowed under law to ignore a demented patient. They have some rights. So if his cognitive um, state, there's still some level which I have to respect. There's no harm in me telling him about the gospel. Yeah, Josh, that's why we do the uh, capacity assessment. Exactly. <laughs> capacity, uh, what, is the, what is it for? Yeah. You know? Yes. They I've have seen... enough in them to say, yes, I want to eat, or you know, yes, I want to wear this, or yes, yeah. I want to go out. <laughs> so did God invent the first capacity assessment then? You said whether you whether you're able or not able to make a decision for yourself. <laughs> no, I think 
<laughs> I think, George, it will be God who will do the yes. mental capacity assessment. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah, yeah. See, it, it's, it's lovely. There's, a, there's one of the chaplains I know who was telling me of how he has led several demented patients to the Lord Jesus before they died. Mm. And, it's, and the ones he, he was telling me about are so, it's so loving, you know, to hear those testimonies. In their simplicity of mind, they accepted Jesus. But in their last days. They get moments of clarity, don't they? Yes. They have. I, I, yeah, definitely. I've, I've witnessed some of them. Hmm. Uh, that There's the seed that's sowed in them. Yes. And at that last stage, God allows, you know. It's a very privileged position for us in our, our front line. Uh, uh, where we are step, we stepped in at a point in time. Mm. You know, we have the right. No, no one can do it. Only mm. you at a point in time. Yeah. You know, to speak into the person's life, and you didn't see the faith rise up. You know, they didn't did, demonstrate that faith. Yeah. Did then that patient give her life to Christ some days before she died? Then the daughter came, and the demented patient was talking to the daughter. I hope you too have accepted Jesus. Because where I'm going, if you don't accept Jesus, you can't come there. And the daughter said, Mom, what are you saying? <laughs> said, you heard what I said. <laughs> don't, I don't think I am. I don't know what I'm saying. I know exactly what I'm saying. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and is it, yeah. yeah. Um, going back to the issue of causes and good works, I, I yes. was looking for this um, news story that I, I saw on, um, on Premier News. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Scotland, there's a, the um, climate thing going on oh, yes. that happened in the last week. Yes. The church in Glasgow. Do you know? Did you come across that? No, no, no. It's up a banner um, near the venue of the COP27. Yes. The world's most urgent need is churches preaching Christ crucified, mm. not climate change. <laughs> so it's been not pulled after 48 hours. <laughs> Some they've gone and pulled it down. But yeah, it was just quite you know provoked, you know, provoking. Yes. Um and, and for Christians to think because like you said, most times um people want the good work that you can give for mm. Jesus that's making you do it so they they expressly say no we don't want to hear that so like in um, uh, well at least two years ago the chaplain in um, one of the hospices that we work at does not present anything to you know it's a Christian but wouldn't um, or didn't present uh, faith present Jesus at all to anyone um, that was dying because it's against the rules. Um, they actually just make things so general, which I think if somebody's asking and making inquiries, it's an opportunity to, to show them, isn't it? Yeah. And then the Samaritans that you can call, you know, during the emergencies 24-7, you're not allowed to present faith to people because, you know, Based on the principles of positions of power and people in <laughs> people in distress and all that, 
um, you're not. And I think that's why one of our friends couldn't continue because she, she had, she went through a um, probation period to yeah. work with the Samaritans, yeah. but she's not the kind of person that cannot <laughs> talk about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> there was no way she just can't speak to someone, offer any solution without talking about faith and Jesus. So um, she couldn't continue. No, if, if a patient, me, I've done it several times. It's not the first time. A patient breaks down before you and is in tears. I don't just know what to do. I'm faced with this, 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 this. My mom is dying of cancer. I'm this, and here I am. I've broken my leg in two places. And I'm looking at the patient. And I offer tissue paper. And I keep quiet. It's wrong. Me, I, I always bring it up. I said, I am a Christian. When I'm faced with situations like this, I call on God because I trust him. I don't know if you are or not, or if you trust in Jesus. But this is the only thing I can offer you. I can only offer you Jesus. Oh, sorry. I don't believe in all that. Well, this is my own anchor for life. And I'm not just saying this because you are passing through this. This is what I rely on. That's after giving the medical treatment. Of course, after giving the medical treatment. Of course. You know, this is what I rely on. And I can only I can only tell you what I rely on. If somebody else was when if when people are being told about trans uh, trans um, what's this type of meditation? Somebody was telling me the other transcendental. day. Transcendental. Yes, yes. Somebody was telling me the other day. Oh, George, if you want your blood pressure to come, maybe you should try transcendental meditation. I said, what? Praying in tongues is much more effective. <laughs> you know? So, so if people are offering all sorts, I can also offer my Jesus. I know that is what the, the world doesn't want to hear that. But you know when patients are dying officially, you, bring, you call in a chaplain. Why? And it's allowed. But unfortunately, the chaplain can't talk. They're, revo- they're reviewing the NHS chaplaincy guidelines. They're just putting together the project and the, uh, the steering group. Mm. It'd be interesting to know who they actually put on the steering group. Yeah. Um, but it's something we need to pray about, obviously, because yeah. they want, they want um, humanist chaplains. You see? Because it's meant, I mean, it is meant for faith and no faith. It's a pastoral role, really. Yes. But it's, you know, you, yeah, it is, it is unfortunate about how they're going to limit the scope of what they can do. Yeah, what they can do. I think what will happen there is they might not probably be allowed to talk about Jesus, but only mm. God. But who is that God? Isn't it? It's very generalized, uh, you know, God. You will be talking. It's I mean, not a specific faith. Maybe I mean, not even God at all. Just no, what, the the, what the person wants, I guess. So if yeah. someone says, oh, I'm a Christian and my faith is really important to me, then they can go all out. If they yeah. say, well, I can't believe in God, then they can talk about literature and, see, and you know, be chased. <laughs> That's why I discussed with a patient once in hospital. Was really in a bad way, not very well at all. 
um, nearly 80. So I asked, well, in this, in, in, in difficult times like these, you know, what, what, what do you, uh, what, what keeps you going? Some people, you know, have faith, their faith to lean on. And she said, no, 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 I don't believe in anything like that. I said, and what keeps you going? Oh, my books, you know. (laughs) um, She had no family, nobody at all in the world. Um, So my books and my memories. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. (laughs) I didn't know what else to to say to that. Mm. Um, She was just very, very sure that she didn't want to talk about anything more than that. So, um, So, yeah. They'll be guided by what people want, I guess. It amazes me how much people like books and they've not read the best-selling book in the world. It's amazing how they can consider themselves to be, uh, uh, what's the word, literate. Yeah, literate. And they've never read the most, uh, the most, you know, the best-selling book in the world. True. So, so you're going back to our second kings. (laughs) About good works. <laughs> yes, going back to our second kings, you know, these lepers did not sit down. They got up. And they are getting up. God backed it up. And the, the challenge I see there is we too should, you know, do what they did. Because God is only waiting for us. God in his mercy. is always God is in his mercy. He's always looking for other Christians, human beings, he can partner with. You see, their getting up was all what God was waiting for. And the Bible said, when they got up, you know, at twilight, verse 6 says, for the Lord had caused the noise, no, the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. The noise of a great army. It was the Lord that caused it. There was no way the Syrian and the Israeli army will hear that noise. It was the Lord that caused it. There was no way the lepers could, no matter how they were walking, there was no way. But God amplified those steps, that getting up and lepers walking it became a noise in the camp of the enemy. To show you that the matter of salvation, the matter of taking the kingdom of darkness, of attacking the kingdom of darkness and going head on against it, is all controlled by the Lord. God only wants to use us as his tools. God only wants to use us. I'll give you an example. A brother, a, a, a young person just gave his life to Christ. A, a, a man just gave his life to Christ two weeks ago. So some brothers in our church organized a, an outing. And they invited him on it. And during that outing, they were telling him about the Lord, telling him about Jesus and all that. And one night, he woke up. And he was so bothered. And he went and knocked on the door of one of the brothers and said, now I need to settle this matter of salvation. Explain it to me. He was so bothered that he needed to have an answer. It, see, they only invited him for this program, this outing, 
he went and everybody went to his own house. But the Holy Spirit will not leave that man alone. And now he's not a Christian. So how did, how God is only looking for us to use as tools so that he can do the work. It's actually God that does it. It's not you. It's not me. How you can just speak a word and God will use it to bother that heart until that heart comes to peace in the Lord Jesus. So you see, for me, what these lepers did, I'm praying that all our efforts, all our programs, everything we want to do to bring souls to Christ, that the Lord will work with it so deeply that people will be saved. It's not what, you see, do you know, you don't even have to organize a big program. Anything you do with the effort of winning souls, God can amplify it. It can become a a big thing in the heart of, of the person who has heard. That seed can that seed of the gospel you sow can can metamorphosize and grow and affect that heart to the point that that heart is brought to the Lord Jesus. You know this this young man that I said gave his life to God. He could have been in his room and just thought, well, it's one of those things you will you will forget about it and sleep over it. The man couldn't sleep. He went and knocked on the brother's door and said, "Please, this night we need to settle this matter." I need to settle it. And thank God, the brother led him to Christ. So now they are discipling him, which is wonderful to hear. It was God that did it. It was ready in season. Be ready in season and out of season. And out of season. And even late at night. Yes. (laughs) Good thing he wasn't like the the fellow who says, you know, sorry. Yes. I'm I'm, I'm in bed with my children. (laughs) No. He gave his life to Christ and see now, they are sitting down with him. They had a meeting with him yesterday, you know, sharing the, God, sharing the word of God, teaching scriptures. So his own Christian journey has started all because God walked in that heart. So it, it just reminds me again why I must not. You see, when the leper sat down, there was nothing for God to amplify and make into a noise for the Syrians to hear. There was nothing. And that's the thing. That simple seed that you sow, God can use it. Honestly, I believe it with the whole of my heart. That God, that, those simple efforts we make, that simple prayer, that you say, oh, let me pray for you. And you pray, and as you are praying, you are saying, oh God, as you are helping this, this lady's problem, Lord, let her come to know you. Let her come to know the saving knowledge of Lord Jesus. And that prayer rings an alarm bell in her heart and she can't sleep again. And in the worldly sense, uh, I think the, um, the lepers have got, you could say, very good reason to be angry with God. Mm. Yes. And a lot, of, a, lot of Christians, a lot of Christians are upset by their, by their circumstances. Mm. Um, but as we know, there's always someone worse off than we are in that yeah. sense. And, uh, and well, a 92-year-old, three-year-old that I helped out the other week, and he was, you know, he can barely walk, and he's got all sorts of other issues, but he does walk, and he does go out, and he, and he's a cantankerous Christian, yeah. right? But you know, he's he's out there, he's doing what he can, and he, you know, what whatever that might be, but he, you know, he's still being humble, 
So mm. being humble. Mm-hmm. And um, but again, you know, in those times, if you weren't a Pharisee or if you weren't that, you know, you had to be rich and well off and God blessing you to mm. be close to God. Yes. And you know, these in in other religions, he'd be probably classed as untouchables, literally. Yeah. In that, in that sense, but they, you know, I don't know whether they they were frustrated or fed up or whatever, or whether they just trusted in God for their death. Yeah. That they were believers. Um, but um, you know, they could. You, God still used them anyway. Yeah. And then, they, and then they got convicted, didn't they? Yeah. We better go back and tell them because that's I, not I mean, good. That's, that's not good. You know, it, it was as if, oh God, God will help us. You know, look at what happened when they, when God used their steps to cause a, a commotion in the camp of the enemy. The Bible said, even the enemy, look, <laughs> you know, if we don't arise, the enemy too will arise. Look at verse 7. Therefore, they arose. But when did they arise to? They fled. They arose and fled. Because the enemy, they, they were sitting down too. <laughs> they had camped and they were just sitting down, eating and drinking. So when they heard the noise, the Bible said they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. So look at the lepers in verse 8. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, ate and drank, and carried from it silver and gold. You see, in Christ, we can eat and drink. You understand? In Christ, there are treasures for us in Christ, silver and gold in Christ. There are treasures, actually. In Christ, beloved brethren, we can be contented spiritually. Amen. And in some sense, uh, yes. And uh, it says that God prepared a table for me in front of the presence of my enemies. Hmm. Yes. In Christ, we can get these things. But you see, they ate and drank, they got treasures, but the Bible said they entered into another tent. So you could see that as even if, let's give an analogy, supposing they were in Christ now, they were entering this tent, getting treasure, they were knowing more of God. Just I'm just using it as an illustration. They were eating and drinking, being fed, both physically and spiritually. In verse 9, they now said to one another, what we are doing is not right. The day, this day is a day of good news and we remain silent. You see, there is a scope for us as Christians not to remain silent. We cannot afford to remain silent. Look at what they said. If we wait until the morning light, ah, some punishment will come upon us. Do you know what that means for me? If I wait till I get to heaven, <laughs> if I wait till the Son of God the light of the world comes back and I don't do anything, some punishment will come upon me. If I wait and keep my mouth shut and people die off in Israel because I have kept quiet, some punishment will come upon me. That's why for the Christian, we cannot keep silent. We must inform the king's household we must tell people about the deliverance he has given us. We must share this experience, not out of self, come and see, come and see us. 
the liberating lepers of Israel. No, it's not for that. It's not for arrogant show off. It's to save people. Let's tell the king's household. Our God has his own household. We have other citizens who need, citizens of the Lord's household, who need to hear this. Let's give them this good news as well. Good news of salvation. Good news to encourage others who want to do this thing, to bring forth good news to others. We need to tell them. We can lay up some treasure in heaven. Exactly. We can only have our own real treasure in heaven if we do this. So that was what they decided to do. They did not just sit down because they could sit down there for the next how many days or months just be eating and drinking, growing fat. And they got up. You see, getting up from there was another step they had to take. So they arose, got good news. They had to arise to go and share the good news too. They refused to sit down. And you see, this is the issue for us as Christians. That's why we cannot afford to sit down. We too need to arise and go and tell the king's household. By God's grace, we need to pray for open doors. Open doors of opportunity to tell the king's household. And, you know, the Bible said they went. But because they were lepers, look at what happened in verse 10. They went and called to the gatekeepers of the city. You see, they could not enter the city. Ah! Oh, terrible. Lepers with good news could not enter the city to liberate the city. Do you know? They, and they, they did not get offended. They did not say, well... Since they don't want us to enter, no problem. We go back with our good news. They know they will stop them at the gate. So who did they tell? They told the gatekeepers. And I'm praying that, you see, God will help us and introduce us to gatekeepers. I always pray about it. Maybe because of, the, of, because of my origin. I'm always looking for British gatekeepers who will also go and share the gospel. And it, it, will be very, it will be very effective in the sense that they are not hearing it from a Nigerian immigrant. They are hearing it from the son of the soil who also has embraced Jesus. So this principle of gatekeepers, I always cherish it because it was, it, it, for the lepers, it was useful for them. And the gatekeepers listened. You know, the gatekeepers, they didn't look at them and say, what are you lepers saying? Are you guys demented? Maybe they saw the lepers. They were looking rosy. Their cheeks were popping out. <laughs> they saw the lepers and said, excuse me, you were sitting at the gate before. Where have you been? Your, rose, your cheeks are looking chum-chum. Maybe they brought some food for the gatekeepers <laughs> who have not eaten for the last how many days? They brought some food. I said, what? You mean you brought smoked turkey from where? 
And they, they didn't they didn't they didn't say, well, these are lepers bringing turkey and chicken. They ate it. <laughs> because they couldn't be receiving food from lepers. Maybe they ate the food and said, wow, this is wonderful. Where did you get this? They were to them, they were no longer lepers. They were bearers of good news. And it was interesting. They went and they told gatekeepers. And the gatekeepers faithfully, look at it. They told the gatekeepers and the Bible said, and the gatekeepers called out. Oh, wonderful. I'm praying that God will help us. That we are Yes. It does, it does beg the question, what is the message that they're getting from us mm. when we share the gospel? Yes. Is, it, is it the true gospel? Is, yeah. it a, is it a miserable gospel yes. uh, as opposed to a joyous gospel? Because mm. you know, I mean, I've been looking at business stuff and presentations and things. And are, you know, are we actually offering? What are we offering? I suppose. Yes. What are we offering? Yes. It's, it's important you know the message is important because you see if they look at what the lepers told the gatekeepers we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there not a human sound only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact they did not tell them there is food do you notice in that, in that message? They did not tell the gatekeepers there is food. They said the tent was intact. No human soul, no sound. Only horses and donkeys tied. No food. It was when the king's household got the news and then the soldiers went. They found food. That was when a seer of flour was sold for a shikir. What does that tell me? You know, it's just to reemphasize what you said about the message. When you preach the gospel, the gospel in itself, Jesus is complete. You don't preach the gospel with the message, come to Jesus and you shall find food. That is not the gospel. Come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. That's not the gospel. The message is important. But as you come to the gospel, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make the kingdom of God the priority. Make the glory of Jesus and doing his will and living to please him be the priority. Make the kingdom of God's um, representation be the priority, and every other thing shall be added. We saw it, that food came, and deliverance came from the enemy. Do you see? They did not only eat the food, they did not only get silver and gold, they got horses, but they defeated the enemy as well. Several things in that package, in that message. But if the lepers are said, come, there's food, there's food, there's food. 
Follow us, there's food. That's not the, that's not the message. There's silver and gold. There's silver and gold. Do you know, it was, it's wonderful to know that when you pursue the gospel and you make the gospel the priority and you make living for Jesus the priority, you will see the damage quietly the Lord is doing in the kingdom of darkness. Because if you read the story, so the, as they arose, it was when they arose to go and find out, they found out that the enemy had run and fled. Meanwhile, the enemy had fled days ago until the children of Samaria arose, the, the, uh, the king's household arose. They did not know the enemy had fled. So what's God teaching me there? God is saying, don't sit down. Until, uh, until you arise in Christ and do what I've asked you to do, you cannot see the enemy being defeated. You know, if I say the world is terrible, everybody is becoming ungodly and I don't preach the gospel, I will not see the potential in the gospel saving souls. I will not know that it's very possible for people to be saved even in this ungodly world and generation. That's why I need to keep planting that seed of the gospel. That's why I need to keep doing his will so that souls can be saved. If I don't arise, I won't see it. And sometimes we can say, oh, they deserve all they get because it's such a wicked world. So yes. They deserve what they That's get. not the right heart. Mm-hmm. That's not the right heart. So I think we'll stop here. Oh, 10, 14, 10, 14. We'll stop here. Trusting God that God will help us um, walk by these things. It's, it's a very challenging story. It, I've read, you know, I've read this story several times, and every time it's just amazing to know you can learn so much from it. It's very interesting. Yeah, actually, I read I read these stories many times, but it, for me, as we are learning, uh, I'm learning new things. Uh, you know, with uh, the story of this uh, second king. So, yeah, praise the Lord, and indeed, that the word of God is like a well, uh, full of fresh, you know, uh, revelations from God. So it will never finish, isn't it? Even the word of God from cover to cover and every time you go back again you will have this fresh revelation from God so let's go for our uh, prayers in- come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8pm 